Crush your menopause sugar cravings just in time for summer with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. They're delicious keto and intermittent fasting-friendly bars created to help women manage weight loss and energy during the challenging stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code HOTCOOL10. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics Podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics Podcast, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And today we have on Anson Williams. You'll remember him as Potsy Weber in the happy days. You know, I'm really starting to love our catching up series with stars that from when we were growing up, because you realize how busy they have stayed But for someone like Anson Williams, he has gone behind the scenes to become a director. He's been a director in Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I could go on, Baywatch, you name it. And he talks in the episode about how being on the set of Happy Days gave him the opportunity to go watch famous directors that happened to be Mm -hmm. on set doing some great films. And the Catching Up series just shows us all that, you know, we just keep going and and building and creating and learning all throughout life. And I have to say, you know, when I was a, I still am a lover of Happy Days, I was a Chachi fan. Oh, well, of course I was a Fonzie fan, but there was one episode where uh, Joni has a big crush on Potsy. And I really get it. He could <laughs> sing. He was he was nice looking. I mean, let's think about yes, this. Yes, he is a handsome okay. man. Fonzie was handsome. But Potsy was like right there. He was like, you know, he was handsome too. And he could sing. And But I ended up marrying a guy who is just like Richie Cunningham. I mean, people. <laughs> That's true. He, oh, they do. It, when John would start working, when he started working when he was in his 20s, and people would say, oh, you mean the little Opie looking guy? And, and John doesn't, he kind of looks like him, not exactly, but oh my gosh, the mannerisms are exactly the same. So when I watch Happy Days, I look at Richie and I'm like, well, that's my husband. And, and then he gets so embarrassed. And I said, honey, everybody wants to marry Richie. I mean, would you want to marry Fonzie that had a million girlfriends? You want to be with Richie or someone who's loyal. But, you know, Potts, I don't know. After this, after talking to Anson Williams, Colleen and I both were like, yeah. he is so nice. And he was mm-hmm. so lovely. He just, he was worried about taking up too much of our time. And we were like, you could just keep talking. And well, I mean, the stories he was telling, you'll hear them and you're really going to enjoy it. He's just a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, he he's is. happy and he's living his life. And, you know, it's great to catch up with these stars that, you know, like Cindy oh, Williams, yeah. when we talk to her. It's just, it's awesome. And we have a lot more coming up. In, in the next couple of months to so make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. It's that little red button. It's easy to find. Just go on Apple Podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We want to make sure you guys know about our YouTube channel. All of these episodes will be up on YouTube. So you can actually see the stars. You know, it's great to listen. You can immediately tell it's Potsy from the voice. But, you know, there's something about the expressions as they're telling stories and things like that. It's really great. So if you go to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll have all of our episodes up on there. And we're excited to share those. We also have fun things like Bridget is obsessed with subscription boxes and she'll do, you know... (laughs) 
she'll do, you know, taking out her subscription box. And Bridget is obsessed with shopping. (laughs) It's subscription going into stores. I don't know. My adrenaline just goes, ooh. It's just like a little charge. And having said that, we have so many people asking us about, you know, style and fashion, not our personal style and fashion, just, you know, when we did episodes with people who do capsule wardrobes and spring and summer fashions that we have added a second Instagram page called Hot Flash Shop. And on that, we are going to have brands that we love. If you go on Hot Flash Shop on Instagram and give us a follow, we'd really appreciate it. And you're going to see some great things. We are trying on stuff. We have great deals because you know me, I'm all about the deals. And I say that every time, but check that out as well. And our regular Instagram page is Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. So we're going to let Anson Williams get started and we will be catching up with him and we'll talk to you after. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today, we are so excited to have Anson Williams on the show. You guys might remember him as Potsy from the Happy Days, but he is one busy man. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, he's a successful director, and we get to catch up with him today. So welcome, Anson, to the show. Oh, thanks. Great to be here. We were talking a little before, and I'm so impressed with you, both of you. It's just amazing what you've accomplished here. Well, thank you so so much. much. We truly appreciate that. We are just excited to hear what's going on in your life. And the one that I wanted to start with harvest time. Oh, harvest time. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting project. This little offer came in. This script called Harvest Time was written by just an award-winning playwright by the name of Fred Stroppel. Their whole idea was... Um, would it be possible to take two iconic actors in a sitcom? Don Most and I could not be more iconic for playing kind of cartoon characters, right? They think of you, they go, oh, there's Potsy, there's Ralph. And, you know, and I kept thinking about when I got the script and they said, and they said we want to prove, we want to see. And I, I was fortunate to be able to direct it. Um, and I hadn't acted in a long time, but... Uh, that was the deal. Don and I had to act together to be able to do this little pilot. And uh, they said, we want, to see, we, we, want, we, we want to see if we can take these iconic uh, duos uh, that people know so well as these characters. Would that chemistry work in a totally different part, in a totally different genre? And that was a challenge. They sent us the script, Harvest Time. And uh, it was a, um, actually started as a one-act play, 30 minutes, whatever. And it was challenging because the part I play, I never, I'm on a dialysis machine the whole time. And uh, Don is my brother and he he can move around, whatever. But I I didn't want, I didn't want it to to be a, like, like I'm filming a stage play. The whole, the whole creative process was, was making it kind of like you're there, like a home movie, like you're there capturing things. So I won't get into all the technical, but, but, it, but anyway, that, the, the technical part of it worked really well. But the acting part wasn't that difficult because I had a great co-star, Don, who helped, even though I was directing, he helped me a lot. Because, you know, it just in terms, I, I go, cut. Hey, Don, was that okay? Was that okay? He goes, he goes, it was good. It was good. It was good. I go, are you sure? Are you sure? Okay, uh, bring the camera over here. Let's go. You know, are you sure it was good? Yeah, it was fine. Shut up, Anson. So, so, so anyway, 
Anyway, so um, it took a long time to get this done, by the way, because we started, then there was the pandemic, and we couldn't do that. I mean, it was like two, two plus years to get this thing done. And basically, it starts off kind of funny. My brother, Don, is kind of this hip, good-looking guy, and I'm sitting there looking like a mess, you know, getting dialysis in a chair in my house. And uh, he, he actually was saving my life. I needed, if I didn't get a new kidney, I would die. And he donated his kidney. And I couldn't thank him enough. And he comes over to tell me that he sold it on eBay. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm sure you get another one. <laughs> you sold it on eBay and put me, and there's language in this thing, trust me. Yeah. There's language in this, in this little movie. And that was organic to the situation. So, um, and that's it, there it is. And basically what it does, it opens, it opens up the door of, you demean me, you degraded me my whole life, big brother. You know, you never saw me for me. So it gets a lot deeper into the subject, a subject of, 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 oh my God, you know, I, I scarred this, my brother, I didn't realize this. And basically the whole, the whole, the whole thing was a lie. He did, didn't sell it, but he, he wanted, he wanted me to know how to improve our relationship. And that was the whole premise. And you laughed and you cried. And, and it came out, you know, really, really well. And uh, the reason everyone can't see it right now on YouTube or whatever, it's in all these uh, competitions. And, and, and the show's been winning uh, a lot of awards. I mean, Don's got uh, many awards for Best Actor. It's, got, it's gotten Best you know, Film Short. It's gotten Best Director. It's got, so it's really accumulating a lot of uh, attention. And what we thought would be great was we call we I said this is a great pilot let's call it take two, and Fred Stropel the writer has all these tremendous one act plays, and oh, by the way everything is in real time too, which makes it you better a really good writer, and he is and we thought wouldn't it be great to get all sorts of other iconic duos which there are many numerous and give them the same opportunity of having this amazing material as different characters, a different venue, but the same chemistry, and show other sides of themselves as performers. And what was the process going from actor to director? Well, first thing, how bad an actor I was, that started it. And then... Uh, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy to, I'm going happy, because I had a little, I had a little comedic niche, and, and I was, but I, I didn't think I was like, tremendously talented as an actor. I always, but, but behind the camera, I was more toward writing and like, and like going from your heart and expressing what you feel, you know, and that's pretty much more in the writing directing category. And because uh, it's funny on Happy Days, Gary Marshall was incredibly instrumental in motivating us as young guys. We were the number one show in the world. If you want to talk about, even when I direct young kids today, I said, don't even start with your ego. Don't even, don't even go there, man. Let me, I said, you have 2.3 million like viewers, you think you're a big shot? You're not, you know? We had 68 million viewers, 65 million viewers. We, 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 weren't, we weren't big shots because we had a leader that said, you're not big shots, you're lucky. And you know, use this opportunity. He said, he said, um, don't worry about what your dress room looks like. Don't worry about what you, that you don't have this. He goes, worry about what, first of all, worry about creatively what goes on screen. He said, you got problems with the script? Yeah, talk to me. Well, you know, you know how Gary Marshall talked. 
If you got problems, yeah, talk to me. Come to the writing session. Give us your notes. You know, do something constructive here. Help us out. He goes, you know, you want to you, you do this? I'll help. You want post-production? I'll help. But he says, use this opportunity. He says, it's like a college. Paramount's a college. Learn everything you can. Wear many hats. Because most of you won't be actors the most of your life. Especially you, Anson. He did pick me out. But <laughs> so anyway... Early on, Ron Howard and I, who are still good friends, um, I created some shows, and he, you know, we did we did um, some films together. Right? He, we both executive produced. He directed one was uh, Skyward with Betty Davis, mm-hmm. uh, which, which 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 I created and executive produced with him, and, and it actually launched him into the feature world. Um, and and I'm I'm a, I'm a producer on these projects, and I'm going. This doesn't, you know, it's, it, it's fine, but I, it's like, I, I feel kind of lost here because, you know, I'm used to being on the set. I'm used to, as an actor or, you know, and all of a sudden you're, you're not really that, once you're on the set, the producer isn't that involved. You could be there or not be there. And he goes, you should be directing it. I said, I go, great, a third career. Wonderful. Thanks, Ron. And he goes, no, no, no. I, and I went, you, I go, yeah, I feel it. So I talk, so anyway, because unbeknownst to him, even back then, Gary Marshall made, made so many opportunities available on the Paramount lot. I, I stood next to Polanski while he's directing Chinatown on the back lot. I'm, direct, I'm, still, I'm, I'm next to John Schlesinger directing Day of the Locust. You know, I'm watching all the Grease numbers, you know, being filmed, the musical numbers, and I'm asking questions, asking questions. If there was anything on the, I, every, if I wasn't filming, I was educating myself on a set next to directors. So when they asked me, how did you learn to direct? Well, you can't really learn to be a storyteller, but you got to learn the technical. And I learned it. I said, I had, I had, the, I had the original masterclass, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was one-on-one, baby. It was one-on-one. I'm going, there it is. It wasn't a video. It was like right there. I'm going. What the, what's the, Roman Polanski? What's this kid doing here? What did I have? Got you? I go, man, hey, you're I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what lens are you using? What are you doing? How you doing? There's Jack Nicholson. And, and, I'm, and I, I learned the craft through Ron and through Gary Marshall allowing me to have the opportunity to, 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 to just shadow the greats who put up with the kid. Basically put up with me. And so that's where people. Uh, that's where I got. My, that's where I got my uh, education, in, you know, in entertainment, and uh, yeah. So and then what an, edu- I, what, and once what an went, education! Wow. That's, no, no. And then and then again, no one would hire me because what have you done? Well, I've watched a lot of great people. Great. Let us know when you've done a film. I go. I can't do a film if I can't get hired. If I can't. So I I had a film as exec producer um, that I had um, co-created called No Greater Gift. It's an after-school special. And I thought I knew, so I went, so basically I, I hired myself. I went into the network, convinced them to um, let me direct what I sold them and created. That and God bless, Ron, God bless Ron Howard at the time was becoming a force. And they were going, I, he said, I know you don't need it, Anson, but I'll back you. Meaning, if you screw up, I'll, I'll, I'll fill in. I go, an after-school special? You're like, you're like making all the... He goes, no. That got me, that got me approved. So, so 
I did, and, and it, it went great. I won the Humanities Award as a writer, and 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 it got all these rating and 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 um, and donorship cards doubled in the United States, um, and all this, and and then, and then I still can get hired. So I had sold um, a show to uh, Wonderworks for PBS called The Lone Star Kid, which was about the youngest mayor in the history of the United States way back then. He was 12 years old. But it wasn't, but it wasn't cute. I saw the, the interview on CNN. It was this young boy, Brian Zimmerman, saw, happened to see a car crash and someone die because there was no ambulance service in Crab, Texas, 90 miles from Houston. They couldn't get medical to him. And this 12-year-old kid goes back to his house, whose father, who's now a rancher and a restaurant owner, was going to be a lawyer. But as he would know, he, and, he, and he, um, he said, nah, but he had all these law books in the attic. And the kid figured out how to make an unincorporated town and run for mayor. And by the way, for no money, hardly, um, a very unknown actor named James Earl Jones said, I want to do that part. James Earl Jones. Yeah. Oh, wow. And his, his friend was, in, 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 true story, African-American man named Holmes, who was blind and illiterate, but sold junk. He sold junk. That's how people come up and he, with his hand, everything, and his whole backyard was ropes, so he knew where to go. But you can't make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the kid's going, he, he convinced the kid to run. They got new roads in. He put a temporary uh, police department in because there are all these police officers working in Houston. So he made these schedules off time. He got a temporary ambulance service in this little community. It was a microcosm for true democracy and, and for the people, big time. And then, so we did the film. But I've always been one to see, no matter what, there's something good. See what you have, not what you don't have. See what you have, not what you don't have. It's made my life. By the way, it's made my, I have made my life in, in really kind of like limited situations and found something I have. And I made it, it actually elevated me. If, I, if everything was easy, I wouldn't have gotten the greater good out of it. I, wouldn't have been, I won't be here now if I didn't have the challenges. But just to show you, just in terms of, a simple example of finding what you have, not what you don't have. Because um, it's really easy to see what you don't have. I mean, oh my God, I can't do And no one sees, there's, there's always positive. There's something there. Yeah, for what you were saying, you did something that, you know, I, I learned about your alert drops. Do you mind sharing the story about how you started alert drops? Because that was fascinating. And I didn't know that Dr. Heinlich was your uncle, which I've had to use that maneuver a few times. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Oh my, it's amazing you mentioned that because if we have time, I'll tell you another story. Very few people know this. But the Heinlich, Happy Days was very responsible for the Heinlich maneuver being explo exploding out nationally. And that's another story. Happy Days has saved a lot of lives that people mm -hmm. don't even realize. They don't even realize. Um, yeah, alert drops. It's a, he's, he's actually my second cousin, Dr. Heimlich, but I called him uncle since I was born. You know how you uncle Hank? Yeah. Many, many years ago, I was directing a show, exhausting day, uh, outside in the desert area, outside of LA. 
And I, I literally passed out at the wheel driving home. And just for a second, but, but just enough to, scare, to, to veer and, and really scare the heck out of you. And I went, whoa. And later on, I spoke to Dr. Heimlich about it. And he said, Anson said, for God's sakes. And by the way, Dr. Heimlich was in, really, really knowledgeable about how, how the body helps the body. And he said, Anson, keep cut up lemons with you. And if you have an exhausting time in any situation, whether it's driving, whether it's at work, whether, whatever, bite into it and explain an already, already proven fact, old science, that citric acid, sour lemon, when you bite into it, hits the uh, lingual nerve on top of your tongue, which is part of the trigeminal, the largest area of your body. And he said, the reflex reaction he said, just like going to the, you know, the go to the doctor and they, te they test your reflexes, you know. He said the same thing. The tongue and brain have re reflex reaction. And he said, the reflex will be adrenaline. He said, once it, it'll, go, Oop, it'll be like, Oop, it will trigger <gasps> adrenaline and you'll be alert. Nothing in your body. It's the body waking the body instantly. And I did that for years. And um, never had the problem again. And then years later, I went into the product business. I, I, as much as entertainment, I love creating problem-solving products. I just love that. And we became pretty good at it. I started uh, I was researching drowsy driving. Uh, when I, and I didn't, I didn't even realize how catastrophic the problem is. It's, there's more deaths, more, more deaths, more tragedies than drunk driving and medicated driving combined. Now you go, you go on the, the roads, you say, don't drive drunk, great. Don't drive exhausted, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's like, I mean, very important drunk driving. But let me tell you, there's a lot of great, but there's a lot of people that don't drink that are killing people, all right? Because they fall asleep. And if you look at it, the amount of deaths from drowsy driving are not, are not from the people driving, it's, from, it's the people they hit. I had this crazy idea called Hank. I said, hey, if it's just like a, it's a lemon, right? He goes, yeah, I go, well, what if we like create a spray drop <laughs> that you can spray in your tongue, like the right amount of citric acid, the right amount of sour lemon, some water, a bit of preservative for shelf life, but, and what if you, you just hit the top of your tongue, reflex reaction, boom, you're up, boom. He goes, he got so excited. And he passed away a few years ago. But at the time he said, oh my gosh, he goes, let me help. And he helped me develop uh, alert drops, which is a little spray that and you spray it on your tongue and it prevented numerous tragedies. It really, Dr. Heimlich, alert drops, Heimlich, how many lives has he saved every day? You wanna talk about a legacy? He passed away over three years ago, 96. In fact, the first time he did the Heimlich Maneuver to somebody else, believe me, of all this was, he was 96, in, he was in, a, uh, half, in, in a, a senior home. An older lady was choking to death, and he saved her life with the Heimlich Maneuver. It's the only time he did it. Really? The only time he ever, I've done it like three times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the, the only time? time? The only time he had to personally do it in his life. Wow. 
Yeah. So he saved and then he passed away three, four months later. But oh, okay. That yeah. is wild. No, I've done it to strangers. I was in France and a child was choking on a piece of candy. I didn't know the language. And we were like passing babies, you know, Aww. this two-year-old. And then I did it in a Panera bread. A kid was choking. So it's always been a kid, but we yeah. had to learn it as a teacher. That, we had to learn it. Well, there you go. Very few people know this. Um, Happy Days was a major reason the Heimlich Maneuver really spread out to the world. And um, very few people know this. Uh, Henry Hank was very much an activist, very much for you and I and everybody. And I'm not going to get into any negativity with the Red Cross, but back then there was a lot of, there was, there was a lot of politics that weren't exactly right for um, saving lives. And, and they didn't like Henry because he was very vocal about his displeasure with things. And they wouldn't accept, they, would, they, they kept going, no, you slap on the back. They would not accept Henry's uh, Heimlich maneuver. In fact, they went out of their way to try to destroy it. Really? They try, yeah. Oh, no, it's phony. It's, it's out of their way. And Henry was getting, um, Hank was getting, um, a little bit of regional PR here and there, but he was—he he wasn't getting the a life-saving like bomb story. And he was on the Happy Day set one morning, and just coincidentally, I, I didn't have—I was getting off early and all that, and and he was complaining. He's going, you know, I said I, I can't get this thing off. I, it's like for God's sakes, you know, we can save so many lives in the Red Cross. You know, they don't like me, and they're stopping They're stopping the whole Heimlich maneuver. By the way, to this day, they call it hug for life. They don't even talk. You won't see Heimlich maneuver. I'm, we're sitting there, and I'm going, man, you know? And a phone call. Uh, the phone rings on the set, uh, and it's the Merv Griffin show. And I had done it a couple of times before, and someone had dropped out that night. And they said, hey, last minute, can you come on, sing the song, we'll talk to you? And I thought, oh, my God. Wow, national television, I'm a maneuver. Wow. I go, yeah, 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 I'll do it. So, so anyway, um, I tell Hank, he goes, you really, do you think they're going to put, I go, I don't know, but naive me, let's just try it, let's go. So I get done, we go back to my place, I get dressed, I take my charts, <laughs> go down to the Merv Griffin show, uh, no, and I, can I talk to Merv? He's not available. And he's a great guy, but he was a great guy. He's busy. Okay, okay. You know, rehearse the song, blah, 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 blah. Great. Can I talk to him? He's busy. He's busy. Get interviewed by, you know, the producer. What are you going to talk about? They go, well, we can't really talk about the Heimlich Maneuver because he doesn't know. No, you got to talk about Happy Days. And so I went, okay, whatever. I thought, well, that's done. We, we're, it, not gonna, we gave it a shot. We gave it a shot. So they put Dr. Heimlich in the audience and they start the show. I wasn't first out. I could have been second out, third. I don't remember. So anyway, I go on, I sing the song. And then uh, there's a commercial break. And that's when they take you over to sit next to Merv. So I had about a two minute, like, like amount of time to like do an elevator pitch. And there's Merv. Hey, handsome. And it's very, I go, and I said, I talk, oh my, Dr. Heimlich's in the audience with it. And he goes, well, he goes, wait a minute. 
I've heard about that. I've heard about, he goes, somewhere, I goes, that's, tell me, and he goes, oh yeah, Inter very interesting. Now, unbeknownst to the director, Johnny Carson's brother, Dick Carson, and that ties in too, Johnny Carson's brother directs Merv Griffin, Dick Carson. Unbeknownst to Merv, and they go, I was going to interview Anson, but he just told me something interesting. Is there a Dr. Heimlich in the audience? Yep, stand up, interviews Dr. Heimlich. Can you come up, can you, can you do the maneuver on me? Dr. Heimlich comes on stage, does the maneuver on Merv, right? Now, Merv was, it wasn't live, I think it's aired the next night. Here's a boom, I'm like, boom. Dick Carson calls his brother Johnny Carson and says, you know, you really should have this Dr. Heimlich on your show. I think he can save a lot of lives. Three weeks later, he's on the Johnny Carson show and he does a Heimlich maneuver on Johnny Carson and the rest is history. Blew out. Wow. Well, let me go back to Happy Days. Let me go back to Happy Days. If Gary Marshall hadn't created a show called Happy Days, if I hadn't been cast on it, if there wasn't like a major character named Fonzie that blew it out to make it right, if there wasn't, if there wasn't like all these parts of that show, all these people, all these, I would have never had the opportunity to even go on that show. So Happy Days was a major player to the days wow. and that's the story yeah you know Gary Marshall we've heard such good things about him and we interviewed Cindy Williams a while back and she was saying that when they were the height of um popularity that they didn't really know it she and Penny didn't really know it because they there weren't cell phones and there wasn't paparazzi everywhere and so was happy days a similar experience and if it was when you started directing these, you know, like 90210 and all these other shows, was it just a shock to see how the behavior said shit? Because it doesn't seem like you guys were, oh, Fonzie's getting most of the material or he's getting most of the writing. That's shifted a lot now. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just human nature. Uh, when happened is, first of all, we had an incredible leader by the name of Ron Howard, because Ron was already a star. And we're there, we all worked a lot, but we weren't stars. And Ron's work ethic was incredible. And, and just no ego, whatever best for the show. We kind of followed suit. And we have Gary Marshall, who cared about us. Like I said, he really cared about us as young people and really wanted to nurture us, not just use us. Like, a, you know, we were more than just little actors. He, he thought, you know, I'm going to contribute to their lives. Um, so it's so funny back then. I mean, we were the number one show in the world. It's like our average would be 63 million viewers on Tuesday night. 63 million. That was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that was I. <laughs> that was one of them. And not, not including what was, there was like um, syndication during the day. So we had one fourth of America, one fourth of the entire population watching us on Tuesday night and the rest of watches through the week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in terms of young actors I directed, don't even get egotistic with me. Don't even go there. <laughs> you, you punch, not punch. Excuse me. It's not the Oscars, but you're going <laughs> to. Oh, nice one. Well, that's a whole other story, man. Don't even start on that. Oh no, you've opened the door. 
don't even get me started on that. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. oh, believe me. Shocking, right? We watched it live, and I was like, this is we not texting each other. This is yeah. not real, right? This yeah. is a staged thing. And yeah, I, actually, I felt this, but I, no, once the four letter words came out from this, I went, yeah. it's not staged. This is, this is so surreal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that whole, I mean, these, I mean, it just shows, it's just a shame when someone is so talented and their true character and unbalanced, imbalance comes out on national television, like like tainting the whole freaking evening and everybody else and 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 the world and it's it is Hollywood. It represents so much, and and I can't even get into the levels of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to not have control of yourself and by in, in terms of comedy, are you kidding? Are you kidding? You, yeah. you get nailed. You get roasted. You know, I Don Rickles is a friend. Mm-hmm. He makes Chris Rock mild. Chris <laughs> yeah. Rock mild. Yeah, yeah. Your, if you sit there, you get your butt kicked, and you love it. So, so when you did Hollywood Squares, and I know that they are going to do different episodes and release the different episodes. Uh-huh. Was that the original set, or did they rebuild the set, or how? Oh, actually, it was for, during the, no, it's during the pandemic. Oh, during it was the virtual. Pandemic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Which, which was amazing. The technology they used. Uh-huh. Fun about it. So I used to do the original Hollywood Squares uh, with Peter Marshall, and so what was so great is during the the, the different um, uh, the, there's different parts of Hollywood Squares. One's hosted by Peter Marshall. One's hosted by John Davidson. One's hosted by Tom Bergeon. So it was, it's just, but the original host, all three hosts that ever hosted Hollywood Squares. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and they had all these wonderful personalities involved in the squares and everything. And uh, it was just, um, it was so much fun. And, and, it was, and it was a fun thing to do during the pandemic. Because right. you, you, you do it from your kitchen table, you know. Yeah, that's and, great. That's and you great. got to be center square on one of the episodes, which I, <laughs> you know, who's no one's accounting for taste. But I got this. <laughs> I went. I went. Oh, great! I'm Paul in now. Wow! <laughs> but yeah, I did. I did. Oh, that's so much fun. But anyway, if, if, if everyone should go to HollywoodMuseum.com and you'll see how to how to get your on. on it, it, get Hollywood Squares. And I, th- I think it costs a little money, but all the money goes to .org to keep that okay. going. You know? okay. And I think it's it's available through like November this year. So there's, people have time to go. We'll have the links in our show notes. So yeah. if someone wants to to check it out, they can just go right through yeah, uh, yeah. there as well. Mm-hmm. So what's next on your, your agenda? What are you doing now? And, and what are you looking forward to? Oh gosh. So, um, <laughs> God, I look forward to waking up. Uh, <laughs> people actually these days, people. How did you hurt yourself? Sleeping, getting <laughs> up like, from the chair. Oh my God! I go. What'd you do? I woke up. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't say it. I worked out, and I go. I did nothing. It hurts. Um, no, we actually have uh, a lot of um, you know. Still, the product side is very busy. We have. Um, quite a few shows today in development. Some look pretty close to being green, greenlit. I can't talk about it now, but still involved in entertainment in a 
in a very productive way. I stopped doing, I stopped directing segments and all that. It's just, uh, it's really, it's really a, a lot of work and, uh, and it's, and it's incredibly um, stressful job. So I decided to go more toward producing and creating shows again. And then, and giving the directing to the young guys, young girls. <laughs> Young, young anyway, right? And You're mentoring them the way you were mentored, which is great. Exactly. And I, I, I just rather come at 10, a, 10 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. and have a cappuccino. And I go, everything <laughs> looks good. I'm going to lunch. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you've earned it. Yeah, I think you paid your dues. I you've you definitely have. earned it. I have, been, I have paid my dues. I will say that. It's really interesting because you could probably spot some of the newer directors and producers that are up and coming just because you have such experience in it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I really got on my way to try to help. I, I just want people, I call it white face, meaning you're born to entertain. You're born to direct, you know, you're doing it because you have to do it. Not, not to be a big shot, you know, not, Oh, I just want to be cool. Oh, I, Oh no, because you're a born storyteller and a born storyteller comes out as a director, actor, writer, producer. It just means, you know, entertainment comes first before you. And your job, your job is to make, is to, is to entertain. Your job, it's, all, it's, it's being, it's literally being on the stage with your arms out going, hey, sure. for you, yeah. Yeah. for you, it's for you. It's not for me. The minute it's for me, it's, it's over. Someone gave me, I'll end with some really good advice that uh, years ago someone gifted me. And he said, I won't say who it is. He said, Anson, you're in it. And I said, what do you mean in it? In, I mean, what? you're in it. You're in it. And that means you're in it. You want to be successful. You got the fire. You, you got all this stuff. You want to build. You want to, you want to climb mountains. You, and he goes, and that's great. Never be of it. He said, it's what you do. It's not who you are. He said, that's hiding behind something. Hiding behind stardom. Hiding behind. So you don't. So you never really look it in the mirror. You know, you're high. And he goes, that happens to, you know, movie stars, drug addicts, movie stars, people who are billionaires, they're hiding behind their money. They're hiding behind their kids. They're hiding behind stardom. They're hiding behind. It's like they're of it. They need it. It's not who you are. It's what you do. And if, and if, and if what you do becomes who you are, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And you will never be happy. You will never be satisfied. And you'll never find out who you really are. So you can be 100%. Wow. That's, that's great. That's yeah. some great advice, it honestly. Mm -hmm. um, it has been an absolute privilege to speak with yeah. you today. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, it's so nice to hear that you're just have so many stories. You are a storyteller. You, you are, are a storyteller yeah. and we yeah. literally could listen to your stories all day. All day. I know. I know. I just, it's, I still get a little bit, um, I guess it's surreal because that was my favorite show. Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days was my favorite show growing up. I live for it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Anson Williams. It's like when we <laughs> talked to Cindy Williams, I'm talking to Cindy Williams. So I, I was a little girl in Kentucky. So to me, I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to this guy that was on my favorite show. So oh, it's, it's a little surreal, but it's great. But you're such a real person that it, it's just so nice to talk to you. So well, you guys you so are great. Again, I'm so proud of you guys. Keep this thing going. Well, that was really a great conversation with Anson Williams. I 
just loved hearing about all the things that he's doing, all the things that he has done. And the whole Dr. Heimlich story is completely fascinating. You mean just Uncle Heimlich? <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Heimlich. I mean, that is that is the craziest thing. You know, when you hear that and you hear about the whole story about happy days and how the reason we have happy days is the reason we all know about the Heimlich maneuver that has saved so many lives. And drops. I mean, that's just, I ordered some. I have some alert drops in my car right now and I need to make sure that my children have them. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.